0: Tonight is study number one of Genesis chapter eight, and we're going to be reading the first three verses. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually, And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. In these verses, the Lord tells us that it was at the end of the 150 days, the end of that initial five-month period, that the waters were abated. And as we've mentioned before, chapter 7, the word waters is found nine times, three times three, and the waters are continually rising they're they're ascending in chapter 8 the word waters is mentioned nine times three times three to indicate the purpose of God and the waters are referred to as decreasing they're abating going down and we'll try to um, discuss that a little bit more later on as we get into chapter eight. Um, Right now we want to look at verse 1. And in the first statement of chapter 8, verse 1, the Lord says, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. God remembered Noah. Now, that's an interesting way for the Lord to put it. What, is, what does he mean that he remembered Noah? Well, to begin with, uh, let's consider what if God did not remember Noah? What would that mean? Well, it says in Job chapter 24, Job 24, in verse 20, The womb shall forget him, the worm shall feed sweetly on him, he shall be no more remembered, And wickedness shall be broken as a tree. And that's speaking of someone under the wrath of God. He will no more be remembered. Or in Psalm 88, it says, beginning in verse 4, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that has no strength, free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. And again, this language has to do with God's wrath. The pit and the grave identify with hell. And and here it's being said, I am like them that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, they are cut off. And the people outside of the ark, all that had the breath of life, we we could say the picture is, with the flood, that God will remember them no more. Because it is uh, typifying the final judgment of the world. And when God brings that final destruction, when he destroys the earth and all of its inhabitants, and and when the penalty for sin has been fully meted out, and that is death. It, it's the second death. It's annihilation. It is the removal of the rebel from God's presence. It is um, a complete destruction, and and they are remembered no more. And actually, the Bible tells us the former things are not remembered, nor come into mind. God has no plans to remember. The sinner, there will be no memorial services held in the new heaven and new earth to bring them in remembrance. He has no plans of remembrance for the cursed creation. His intention is to destroy it. And and the heavens will be no more. Man will be no more. He, He will be gone forever. He'll perish forever like his own dung, is the language of the Bible. And therefore, it is so important, extremely important, that here, as God is going into detail about his wrath, uh, we saw at the end of the previous chapter, chapter 7, how the Lord was uh, highlighting the death of the world, the, uh, the death of the creatures, the death of man, the blotting out of... All those outside of the ark through the word destroyed and, and, and so now uh, here is his mercy. Here is his grace. Uh, here is the wonderful news for the people of God. They are remembered by God in the day of judgment. Let's take a look at a couple of verses in Exodus chapter two. And verses 23 and 24, it says, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And there we see the word remembered, the same word that is used of Noah or or used of God concerning Noah. God remembered Noah. And in Exodus 2.24, when the children of Israel were groaning in Egypt and um, that language identifies with God's elect that are groaning in the world, as Egypt is a picture of the world, um, keep in mind what it says in Romans chapter 8 in um, verse 23 and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body the elector groaning Waiting for that day, the final day, the completion of all things, the day of the resurrection, the day of the rapture, the day when the people of God get their new resurrected spiritual bodies, and also they receive the inheritance of the new heaven and the new earth, which is the promise that is referred to again and again in the Bible, a promise spoken to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It's the covenant that God gave those patriarchs. Yet, uh, it it really was stated to all the people of God, and and so the Lord, hearing the groaning of the Israelites in in their bondage in Egypt and then remembering his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and what happened when God remembered his covenant? Well, then he brought about their deliverance. It says in Exodus 6, in verse 4, And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And have also heard... The groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am Jehovah, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm, and with great judgments." And so this was all part of the process of God remembering His covenant. He first of all brought plagues upon Egypt, and destroyed the mighty power of the Egyptians, and and that um, climax with the death of Pharaoh and his army with all their chariots in the Red Sea. But it was all part of the process. A step-by-step plan, God's plan, to fulfill his word, to fulfill his promise of the covenant spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give them the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. Now, of course, all of that is historical, uh, except for the part about everlasting possession concerning the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt and their entry into the land of Canaan and the establishing of Israel with their inheritance, each tribe getting by lot a portion of the land. Yes, that was all historical, but it points to the spiritual giving of the eternal land of the kingdom of God, the new heaven and new earth. And and all of these things that God promised to Israel of old have a spiritual fulfillment to the Israel of God. To spiritual Israel, who are the seed, or um, or maybe better put, counted for the seed in Christ of Abraham. And so the land was given to his seed, to Jesus first of all, and then to the elect in Christ. And God remembers his covenant. Now we read in Psalm one o five in Psalm one hundred five beginning in verse six, it says, O ye seed of Abraham his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen, he is Jehovah our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying unto thee, Why give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. So the Lord gave the covenant, and then there's... Stages. Uh, Actually, the whole history of the world is an unfolding of God's plan to fulfill his promise, ultimately, of giving the land, the eternal new heavens and new earth, to the seed, the promised seed, which works out to be the body of believers, the whole company of the elect, and everything else. Is steps and phases and, and, and periods within that program of uh, the first coming of Christ had to do with that. The church age had to do with that, with the saving of the first fruits, the pouring out of the latter rain, the saving of the great multitude outside of the churches, completing God's salvation program all had to do with that. They, they were all a part of the overall promise of God to fulfill his covenant, and God has not forgotten. You know, that's one thing that sort of stands out when we look at the flood account, and, and we see that God uh, had great concern and care and love for Noah, for his family, even for the animals, as he protected them and delivered them from the flood, he loaded them on board the ark, he shut them in. Then he began to fulfill his word. As he told Noah, he would destroy the earth with a flood and the waters began to rise. But, you know, it's hard for us, but, but try to put yourself in the place of Noah In, in the place of only eight souls, very few on board the ark. And it just keeps raining. It keeps raining. There's, there's complete total devastation. It, it, it is a calamity unmatched in all the history of the world. Everything outside the ark is utterly destroyed. And it rains and rains 40 days and 40 nights. And, the, and even after it stops raining, the waters are continuing to rise for five months. Five months is a very long time for people that are inside an ark, isolated. You, you can't go anywhere. Just um, If you've ever talked to people in aircraft carriers, they go out for long cruises into the Atlantic Ocean, and, and they go out for six months at a time. A lot of times they, they go stir crazy. It, it, uh, well that's just an expression, but they, they're very anxious to get off the ship, to reach land of some kind, and it, it, it would be very difficult to experience that voyage for five months, and, and there's nothing left. There's nothing left in all the world. And, and, and what about us? What about us? What, what is going to happen to us? Has God forgotten us? Has God, um, forgotten to be gracious? Yes, he, he saved us. He delivered us. He, he brought us into this ark. But, but now the, the waters just are, are rising and rising and, and 15 cubits above the highest mountain. What? is going on, where is God, has he forgotten us? Well, you know, God says in a couple of places, one is in Psalm 9, which is a chapter, another chapter in the Bible that outlines the final judgment, the judgment of the world. For instance, we read in verse 17 of Psalm 9, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. And that has happened. Hell is the grave. And and when God brought Judgment Day, He turned the nations into hell. That's why in Revelation chapter 9, the bottomless pit was opened up and smoke came out of the pit and rose up. And, and basically covered the earth. The condition of the bottomless pit was hell, but that condition arose. It, it, it came up to the earth and made the earth match the condition of the pit. So the nations were turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God, now that's a whole other subject, Um, And man fails in his responsibility to remember God. But we're not looking at that. We're looking at God's remembrance of Noah. And it says in verse 18 of Psalm 9, "...for the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. The wicked will always be forgotten." The expectation of the wicked will perish forever, but not the poor and the needy. And poor and needy are synonyms for the people of God, the true believers, the the elect. They will not be forgotten, um, not always forgotten, and their expectation of the poor will not perish forever. That fits in with what God tells us in Proverbs 23 in verse 17 let not thine heart envy sinners but be thou in the fear of Jehovah all the day long for surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off that is of the poor our expectation which is what that God will fulfill his word his promises that God will will save his people. He will give us eternal life and we will be equipped with new resurrected bodies, glorious resurrected bodies, and live forever and ever in the new heavens and the new earth in a glorious state of bliss and happiness without end. All those things will happen. They will not be cut off. That is our expectation. And... Even though for a time, and there's no, uh, dressing up this time, uh, you know, there's no way of making it appear softer and more gentle or, or kinder than it is. It's not a soft and gentle and kind time for the people of God, but it's grievous, grievous to be tried and tested and to be put to flames of fire to see what you're made of to be proved there's there's uh, no way of escaping that but it is for a time it is for a certain amount of time a certain duration that these things are going on and and God is assuring us we will not always not always be forgotten as it appears maybe at this point in time in the day of judgment, as we're making an appearance before the judgment seat of Christ, that we have been forgotten. But that is not in actuality the case. It it is not true. God has not forgotten his people. As it says in Isaiah 49, beginning in verse 14, But Zion said, Jehovah has forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. And of course, we're living in a time when when that's true, that women do forget their children. Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget Thee, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. God will not forget his people. And this goes along with not being forsaken. He will never leave us nor forsake us. If he forgot us, we would be forsaken. But he does not. God remembers. He, he remembers his people. If we go back to Psalm 105, it says a little further on in that psalm, in verse 42, For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant, and he brought forth his people with joy, and is chosen with gladness, and gave them the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people. Now, those verses are summarizing um, all the events of, of the Exodus and the entry into the land of Canaan, but yes, God fulfilled his word, his promise. God carried it out, but after delivering the Israelites and he did so in remembrance of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that covenant. He brought them into the wilderness, and there was a little period of about 40 years in between the deliverance from Egypt and the actual entry into the land of Canaan, the promised land. In between, there there was a wilderness sojourn, where the vast majority of Israelites perished due to unbelief, but God did fulfill His word historically and brought them into the land and, and, and gave them the land. Well, we have a similar situation with God delivering all the elect by a certain time, May 21, 2011. All to be saved were saved and yet We did not rush right into the new heaven and new earth. That is not the way God does things. But instead, he has brought us into a prolonged period of judgment and temptation or testing. And this period has gone on for a few years and may go on for several more. And yet, can we say God has forgotten me? God is unfaithful. God... It is not just or right. He's not good because I trusted, I counted that he would deliver me, that he would free me from my bondage to sin and bring me into the promised land to fulfill his word, to fulfill his covenant. And he hasn't done it yet. You see, when we speak like that, if we feel that kind of way, we're really acting like the rebels in the wilderness. We're acting like the unsaved Israelites that were too impatient. They, they didn't wait on God. Uh, they didn't trust that the same God that delivered them, the same God that had won the glorious victory over Egypt, would in his time fulfill his word, give them the land. It wouldn't have just changed everything if the Israelites would have kept reminding themselves, just reminding themselves, bringing into remembrance on their end that God is faithful. God is good. God always fulfills his word. He will accomplish it. Uh, It should have come from the leadership all the way down. Whenever anyone would murmur or complain, what are you saying? Don't, don't even think such a thing, let alone speak it. God is faithful and true. He will bring us into the promised land. He will make sure His word is fulfilled. And you know, here in Psalm 105 verse 42, where it says, He remembered His holy promise. The Hebrew word translated as promise, is 1697 in the concordance. It's the word Debar. And that's the word Word. God remembered His Holy Word. It's referring to the written Word, the Scripture, the Bible. You see, actually, it's not only here, it's in several places. The word promise in the Old Testament is the same word as Word. Because... God's word has all of the authority and weight. It is one with the promise of God. Every word that is spoken in the Bible is a promise because it is absolutely true and trustworthy. That's what God tells us in Hebrews 6, in verse 10. Where it says, "For God is not unrighteous to forget, to forget a promise, to forget a word that God has spoken, would be unrighteous." But God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, and they have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. They be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, that means it cannot change, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. See, God remembered Noah because God remembers his covenant. He remembers his promise. He remembers his word and he will absolutely fulfill it. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's evening Bible studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, E-Bible Fellowship's webcast audio or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.